Hello, people of the way. Uh, greetings and blessings to you in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior and coming King. We continue our study here in Deuteronomy chapter 22. If you have your Bible, open up to Deuteronomy 22. And we see this in continuation of our study, verse by verse, line upon line, and precept upon precept. Moses, in giving his uh, discourse to the next generation of Israel that's about to pass to the promised land, he says in verse 1, You shall not see your brother's ox or his sheep. Now, when, when you see here your brother's ox or sheep, it's not biological. I mean, it is biological, but it, it, it expands to its kindred. So you could be in the tribe of Dan, for example, and you know a person from uh, the tribe of Judah might be experiencing this, but it's not to say, well, he's not my bi- biological brother, so I'm just going to forget about him. No, it is written, You shall not see your brother's ox or his sheep going astray and hide yourself from them. It translates as to blind yourself from them. And you see the Lord is addressing the I don't care mentality. Selfishness. Well, it's not me. So, eh, you know, too bad. You know, I'm glad I'm not him. Glad it's not happening to me. The Lord is addressing the heart of a person. You see? And it's so powerful when we remember the the Lord Jesus Christ was asked, you know, what's the greatest commandment? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and love people. On these two hang all the law and the prophets. Remember our study in in, uh, uh, Ephesians 5 and 6 about family and the exhortation for children. You know, this is the first to honor your mother and father. And this is the first commandment with with promise. But when you look at the translation, when we we look at uh, the Ten Commandments, you see that, you know, all the prior commandments before honor your mother and father, it's one's uh, honoring and obedience to the Lord. You know, have no idolatry, uh, no graven image. uh, Don't take the name of the Lord in vain. And then all of a sudden, boom, honor your mother and father. And then everything after that is one's relations with people. So you see there's in the Ten Commandments. You see there's, you know, uh, one's uh, honoring of the Lord uh, directly, transactionally speaking. And I don't mean to seem to, to, to make it, to, to cheapen it by saying transactionally speaking, but honoring the Lord. But then in honoring the Lord, you see, boom, honor your mother and father. And then, you know, all of a sudden it starts to, to, to people. You see, in the Ten Commandments in itself, in honoring the Lord to Honor your mother and father. In honoring the Lord, uh, uh, not to covet your neighbor's fill in the blank. In honoring the Lord, how is it, in pleasing the Lord, how is it that the Lord desires us to respond to other people? You see? Of course, always, 100% of the time, being wise. Being wise. Remember, we are called to be loving. We are called to be gracious, merciful, and forgiving. But you will never, ever, ever see in the Bible the call to be stupid. You will never see that. We have to be wise, you see? And so at the same time, you know, I I, I speak as to and as New Covenant believers, but then we see these very things in the law, how the Lord is addressing the heart of a person. And in, in doing so, you see the heart of the person is now getting softer and softer and softer. And at the same time, the Lord is saying, okay, now this is how you honor me. And in so doing, this is how you honor your neighbor. This is how you honor your brother or your kindred. And in verse one, we see here, you shall not see your brother's ox or sheep going astray and hide yourself from them. 
So the, the idea of, well, it's not me, so it's no big deal. The notion of, you know, well, I'm glad it's not me. You know, it stinks to be this guy. Stinks to be this gal. The Lord is addressing it. Boom. You see, he addresses selfishness, the heart. And then he says, when that happens, you shall certainly bring them back to your brother. You see, remember the formula that we've been studying, Old Testament and New Testament. The Lord does the work in a person and then through a person, in, then through, in, then through. That's the formula. I mean, there's, there's, in its basic form, I should say one of many basic forms, there's a bunch of different pots, just like we studied several weeks ago. Many different pots. Many different aspects, many different ways by which you and me can die, spiritually speaking, carrying our cross. I meant when a person carries their cross, male, female, young, and old, when you carry your cross, one step is one form of death, spiritually speaking. One step. Some don't even pick up their cross. Some might pick up their cross and never take one step. But you pick up your cross and one step, boom, is a form of death, spiritually speaking. On, on, in the direction of our ultimate death, which is crucified with Christ. You see? And then step number two, step number three, step number four. Step number five, you know, you come to Christ. You can be a whole heap of mess when you come to Christ as I was. I felt like I could take a million showers, a million like straight up deep dish showers and I would still be filthy because I didn't know at the time, I know now, but my filth was in my heart. Sin, carnal nature. I could take two trillion showers and I would still brillo pad in everything and I would still be filthy because I need to be washed by blood. Sometimes people don't come to Christ because they figure, man, you know, I can't be saved. I can't come to Christ because I can't be saved because of the sex, the drugs, the rock and roll. And I say this, that was my boat, my friend. And the Lord saved me. You see, you got to jump ship. Oh, I'm too filthy. I'm too filthy. Listen, nothing can ever separate you from the love of God. But then at the same time, to have this understanding how the Lord desires to do the work inside of you, but it is sin that has that separation, that causes the separation. And so you figure, well, wow, now what? Now you need Jesus Christ, you see. God sent his son into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And as the saying goes, Jesus cleans his own fish. You see, he cleans you up. The whole idea of, well, I'll get my life squared away. I'll get my life fixed up. I'll get my life cleaned up and then I'll come to Christ because the Lord can't take me right now. No, don't forget that while we were sinners, while we were sinners, God sent his only son. You see, in the filth, in the mess. And with, if you're not a believer in your own filth, Jesus Christ is there. And if you are a believer 
and you're not obedient to Christ, maybe in a state of lukewarmness, commit your life to Christ in either camp, in either boat, non-believer or playing games with the Lord, lukewarm. Commit or recommit your life to Jesus Christ. And any time in listening to these messages, if you've the conviction of the Holy Spirit and you're like, man, this guy keeps saying to jump ship. And you know what? I see now my ship is sinking. I got to jump ship. What do I do? At any time you hit the pause button, you listen to the message, how to commit your life to Jesus Christ and you commit your life to Jesus Christ. Point blank. That's what you do. And then all of a sudden you grow, we grow together, we mature together in Christ. And the Lord, the the formula, one of many formulas, the basics, the Lord does the work in you and then through you, in then through. It's not to say, boom, you're a believer and then all of a sudden, you know, go go evangelize. No, because you go in in certain arenas of spiritual warfare and you're going to lose. Why? It's not because Jesus Christ is weak. It, that, far be it. It's because you need to grow. You need to mature. You need to learn about the weapons of warfare so that when you go into the theater of war, of spiritual warfare, which is very violent, very brutal, and very deadly in this life and in the life to come, all of a sudden, something happens. You're equipped. You have the knowledge, which is a gift of the Holy Spirit. And the Lord does the work in you first. A period of time where you can learn and grow and understand. So that, you know, you non-believers come to you. Oh, you Christians are so stupid. Look, you know, I went to this church and the pastor was molesting kids. And I want nothing to do with Christianity. And if you're a novice, if you're a new believer, you know, it's like, wow, you know what? This guy's right. This guy's right. Look, this pastor was doing this and I don't want anything to do with that. So instead of me uh, abiding in Christ, you know, this guy's right. So I'm going to jump this ship. Nope. doesn't work that way. And when you have grown, when you have matured, when you have, have this knowledge, this understanding of scripture and you're equipped, a person can say, oh, you Christians are so stupid. Look, this pastor molests his kid. Say, hey, that ain't a pastor. He thinks he's a pastor, but that ain't a pastor. Then the non-believer is like, well, what are you talking about? He's not a pastor. He, he look, he, he parks over here in the pastor parking spot. That's nice. That's just for show. The biblical qualifications for pastor, he ain't it. You see? You're equipped with the weapons of warfare. A lot of times, you know, you're a new believer in Christ. You're a baby believer. And it's like, wow, I got to do this. I got to, you know, I want to make converts. I want to make disciples. You know, in order to make disciples, you have to be a disciple. You see, it's very important to understand in, then through, in, through, in, through. That's it. And rinse and repeat. It's not just like in and then, you know, through 100%. No, there's like, you know, even the mightiest of warriors have periods of R&R, rest and relaxation. Go back, you know, base camp. Study the scriptures, pray. Intimacy with the Lord. Fellowship of the saints. Now, fellowship of the saints, if you've noticed the past several weeks, the Lord has had us in certain passages where we really look at the fellowship of the saints. It's not a social club. It's not like, oh, I'm going to have fellowship of the saints and, you know, you know, watch TV. 
I'm going to have fellowship with the saints and, you know, go play basketball. I'm going to have fellowship with the saints and, you know, uh, go golfing. I'm going to have fellowship with the saints and we're just going to, you know, tell these dirty jokes and all these things. No, the fellowship with the saints is beautiful. But, you know, with when carnality, it can't be intermixed with carnality. It cannot be intermixed with the flesh. You see, it's it's holy. It's not to say that you can't, you know, play basketball with Christians. Not, not to say that that's not a form of fellowship. You can do all kinds of different things in the fellowship of the saints. But there's this understanding of what koinonia really is. Biblical koinonia. Not a social club. Biblical episunagage. Soon. Remember our study? Soon, soon, soon. S-U-N. According to the Greek. You see, it's deeper. It's not just like, you know, hey, let's be friends. It's like, hey, let's be brothers. Let's be sisters. I mean, you know, I'm male, but I, if you're a female, you know, let me be your brother and you be my sister. You know, <laughs> not, not, not let's be sisters. You know, I'm not Episcopal. And so we see here in verse one. When this happens, you see your your brother's ox or sheep going astray. Don't don't blind yourself. Don't hide yourself from them. You shall certainly bring them back to your brother. You see? See, a person is right with the Lord. And then also, you know, there's this work that is done through people, with people. Relations with people. And then all of a sudden, you see how Jesus Christ says, you are the salt of the earth. You know, as new covenant believers, Jesus Christ says, you are the salt of the earth. But when salt loses its flavor, it's good for nothing than to be thrown. It's, it's good. It's good for nothing except to be thrown underfoot and tra- trampled underfoot by men. You see, to be trampled underfoot by men. I mean, I remember when I wasn't a believer, I wasn't a Christian 25 some years ago. I wasn't a Christian. And in my environment, there were chaplains there were priests there were people who were supposedly of the of the cloth of the book so to speak except there was one guy in my midst my circle there was one guy who was a christian and this guy he was he was I didn't know anything about Christianity. Very basic about Christianity. I thought Christians were the dumbest people on the planet. This was before I came to Christ. This guy, and then all of a sudden, in that state of filth, I went to him. I didn't go to the priest. I didn't go to the, you know, to the chaplaincy. I didn't go to the whoever was designated. I'm doing my air quotes, designated as a religious leader. No, I went to this kid. And he gave me his Bible. Or he let me read it. He let me borrow it that night. He gave me his Bible. He says, here, read this. I said, what do I start? He says, read Matthew. Start here, opened up to Matthew 1. He opened it up because I didn't know anything about the Bible. A li- very, very little. And then all of a sudden, I started to read. And you know what this kid was in my life? I mean, you know, we were, I said kid, but you know, we were younger. This kid wasn't my, he was salt. He was salt in my life. 
And it's so powerful when we understand what the Lord can do inside of you unto others. Do you know, I'm so ashamed of my past, you know, the state of wickedness. I, I won't even share with any, I mean, you know, I don't like sharing, just blatantly saying, oh yeah, this, you know, oh yeah, that, you know, I, I wasn't, because I, I, I hate it. It's shame. I don't like it. But if I have an encounter with somebody who was in that very thing, I'll open up to that person. Male, female, I don't care. Young, old, I don't care. I'll open up to that person and say, you know what? I was on that boat too. I was on that ship too. The sex, the drugs, the rock and roll, the whole nine yards. And God was good. And God is good. And this kid in my life, he was salt. And don't ever, ever, ever forget the power of salt, which is the power of God inside of you. Your ability to impact. And I, not that we take credit or take any glory away from the Lord, but your ability to be the light when you have the light, when the light is in you. Because that's what this kid was in my life when I was in just just straight up darkness. Wicked, wicked, wicked. And I knew, I knew that there were the priests, there were the chaplains. I knew it. But in my hour of need, I went to the kid. You see? Because there was light in him. And it was evident. There was salt in him, and it was evident. Now I, I speak today, and you know I reference these things, but back then I didn't know. I didn't know about salt. I didn't figure. Well, I'm in a state of darkness. I need the salt. Where am I going to go for salt? Oh, I'm in a state of darkness. Where am I going to go for light? I, I didn't know these spirituals. I didn't understand these things, but I knew there's something different about this kid. The chaplains they speak like this, and I get that, but this kid. There's something different about him. And I went to him, you see? And the Lord can do that with you. People see. People, they might mock you today as I mocked Christians. I even mocked this kid. Like, you know, this kid, I, I even mocked him. I tried to get him to stumble many times with the sex, with the drugs, with the alcohol and other things. Mocking him, I made fun of him. Because darkness hates the light. I didn't understand it at the time. But today I understand it. And in my hour of need, as the Lord was humbling me, I didn't even know that the Lord was humbling me, but the Lord was humbling me. You see, it's a lot better, and I tell you from experience, it's a lot better to humble yourself. But when the Lord humbles you, it's serious business. It's not good. I mean, you know, when the Lord humbles a person, it's not it's not a pretty picture. It's spiritually speaking, it's beautiful, but in accordance to the flesh, it's not a pretty picture. Look at what he did to, you know, read the minor prophets. And this kid was the salt in my life. And praise be to the Lord. 
Because all of a sudden, the Lord started to do a work in my heart. Not like a work like, oh, you know, oh, evangelist here and this and that and, you know, this. And... No, in my heart, unseen by man. But yet the Lord was doing the work inside of my heart. Just like he's doing inside of your heart. Our hearts. But the formula is in, then through. New Testament, as new covenant believers, in, then through. Old covenant, in, then through. Picture this, you know, we mentioned earlier, you know, somebody in the tribe of Dan and then somebody in, in, in Judah. And somebody in Judah has lost his, his ox or his sheep. And somebody in Judah, all of a sudden to see somebody in Dan say, you know, here, I got your ox. Here, I got your, you know, you fell asleep or, you know, you were sleeping. You didn't, you know, you, you it was early. It was like, you know, three in the morning. And, you know, I heard the, the little bell around the neck. And, you know, I, I, I looked and I saw that your, your goat was, you know, running across town. Your, your sheep was, you know, making a beeline across the, across the way. And so I, I ran to him with my rope, put it around his neck, and I didn't want to wake you. I wanted you to sleep, and so I just tied him up to mine, and here he is. You see? Picture what that does to the the fellow from Judah. All of a sudden, if there's hardness in his heart, his this act of the guy from Dan... In the example, it can chip away at the hardness of his heart. And through action, through deeds, we can have hearts that are like jello. Remember, jello, not balsa wood, not maple, not oak, not pine, definitely not a rock. That's what we don't want. Rock, bad. Jello, beautiful. That's the objective. That's how we want hearts to be, nice and soft. Old Testament, New Testament. When when you read the Bible and you see these beautiful, beautiful, godly people, righteous people, male, female, young, old, you're going to see them. You're going to see wickedness. But you're going to see such beauty among the righteous. Notice their hearts. When you have eyes to see, notice the softness of their hearts. Jello hearts. That's what you see. I mean, when you read the account of Hannah, oh, breathtakingly beautiful. That's a jello heart. Samuel, jello heart. David, young David, jello heart. David goes the wrong direction. David goes maple, oak, pine. On the very verge of rock. And then he repents. Jello again. You see? And in that state, in the second state of jello, he has to reap what he's sown. Notice these things. Take notice of these things when you read the Bible. Look for the jello. And look, when you see the jello in a person, all of a sudden, Look at how the Lord responds to Jello. I, I speak of the heart, not, you know. I mean, you're not going to find Jello in the Bible, but I meant like I speak of a soft heart. Look at how the Lord responds to Jello hearts. Look at how He responds to oak hearts. 
And I'm speak to the hardness, you know. Balsa, nice soft wood. Maple, harder. Balsa is still hard. I mean, compared to jello, I mean, compared to pine, balsa is super soft. But compared to jello, balsa is hard. Super hard compared to jello. Pine, among the hardest. You see, look at how the Lord responds to jello, to oak, to pine, and to rock. And you, you can see, you read the Bible and you can see like, okay, there, here's jello right here. Praise the Lord. You see how the Lord works, how he's involved with the person's life, male, female, young, old. You see it. But then look at how he chastises the pine. Look at how he chastises the maple. And look at the encouragement for the jello. Look at the blessings upon the jello. And then the rocks. Now comes into the question, why are they a rock? Why is their heart hard like a rock? Now, when you see a, a rock heart in the Bible, look at what the Lord does to that rock. Now, when you see the rock, the Lord sends people to get that rock to help that rock be jello. But the rock has to make a choice. You see it in people, you see it in nations, you see it in peoples. You see, and lands. And then when that rock stays a rock, now you see something different. Judgment. You see? Jello, beauty. Rock, judgment. You see? I mean, you can look at the, the rock and I speak spiritually when I say this. When you look at a rock, there is beauty in the rock, not in a carnal sense, but in a hopeful sense that that rock will one day be jello. But where are the workers? You see, the harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. When you notice these things in the Bible, you start to see a different kind of beauty. Understanding how the Lord works, how he responds to disobedience, how he responds to obedience, blessings and curses, judgment and wrath. Look at the heart. To have compassion on the rock. But why is the rock a rock? Don't forget, rocks have teeth. Rocks have teeth, which means they can be very dangerous because they can bite. But they can also bite lures held by fishers of men. You see, we have this. These days are evil. These days are wicked. The more carnal a person, the more carnal, forget a person, the more carnal a believer is, a Christian, the more carnal a Christian is, that carnality, whatever it is, will bring you harm. You see? It is a danger to you. It is a threat to you. People think, okay, the danger and the threat, oh, it's Satan. Yeah, it's Satan. But there are other aspects of warfare. What about the flesh? The things that Satan likes to capitalize on and look for, you know, the, 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 the footholds he can have a grasp on. 
The formula is in, then through. In, then through. One of many formulas. We want jello. Not rock, not balsa, not pine, not maple. Jello. And there's only one person who can change hearts. It's Jesus Christ. Who gives a new heart, a new mind, a new spirit. Only him. See? And he uses his vessels. Male, female, young, old. He uses his vessels. And you see this in the Old Testament, in these passages in Deuteronomy, these exhortations, and even in our study in Numbers when there was actual combat. Observe Israel according to the flesh, but what about you and me according to the Spirit, you see? To engage in this warfare as vessels of the Lord, understanding the rules of engagement. It's not the rules of engagement of the Old Covenant. We're abiding in Christ. It's the rules of engagement of the new covenant. Different set of different, different, different weapons. We get a time machine. We go back in the old covenant. Remember, proximity to Jesus Christ is cheek to cheek. If you've been listening to us for a while, if you, if you haven't been listening, you know, listen, you know, in, in, in our past studies, you'll understand about spiritual warfare. Old Testament, New Testament, cheek to cheek with the Lord. You enter one theater, the Old Covenant, you know, different weapons, carnal weapons that you can hold with your hands. A carnal fight that you actually have to engage in. That's Old Covenant, different theater, different rules of engagement. New Covenant, carnally speaking, you can't even see the weapons. Carnally speaking, you can't even hold the weapons. Carnally speaking, you can't touch, you can't even see the weapons. You see? That's why we make mention of the the flesh, the dangers of the flesh, the dangers of the carnal nature. Because the more carnal, forget the world, the more carnal a Christian is, you lose the ability to even see the weapons of warfare. And if you can't see the weapons of warfare, carnally speaking, you can't hold them, you can't touch them. And then you enter the theater of war, you're in trouble, my friend. But I'm not called to teach the dead. I'm called to teach the living, which is to reckon the old man dead, reckon the old woman dead. Carry your cross, and in so doing, you have eyes to see and ears to hear and see the weapons of warfare in accordance to the Spirit. Different rules of engagement for this covenant. And that's how we fight. Remember, in, then through. In, then through. It's not like, oh, I'm a new believer, now I'm going to go do, you know, be an evangelist. No, 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 that's dangerous. There's Growth, just like with Philip, the evangelist in the book of Acts, there's a period of growth. Remember, Philip was one of the ones selected to serve in tables before he was an evangelist. You see, but this is the same in the Old Testament. The Lord is doing the work. I mean, picture the example we gave earlier, a guy in the tribe of Dan, you know, 
Everybody's asleep. It's two in the morning. He hears that there's, you know, the, the steps of an ox outside of his tent. He wakes up, sees the ox. Think about what he can do. I mean, and get away with it. Take the ox. Maybe, you know, cut some hair a little bit so, you know, it, the, the, the owner won't recognize it. Cut some hair, a little snip, snip here, snip, snip there. Okay, looks like a different ox. Muddy him up a little bit. Got some leftover paint, put some paint on him a little bit, make him look different. So when the sun rises, everybody will think, oh yeah, this is this isn't this guy's ox. Finders keepers, I get to keep this ox. Look, I, look how the Lord has blessed me. I get to get this ox, you know, look, the Lord has blessed me. I get to keep this ox. I found this ox and I get to keep him. I know it's from this guy from, from Judah, but he was asleep. Nobody's watching. Nobody saw. And now, look, I'm blessed of the Lord. The Lord is adding to my flock and I have this nice, big, hefty ox. No, the Lord sees the heart. And that is wickedness. And so the Lord is addressing those things deep down in the heart. For the person to wake up in the morning, be awakened at two in the morning, three in the morning, see the ox and know that's not my ox. Is this poor chap's ox from Judah. And he's sleeping. I want him to sleep. I know he's going to sleep for a couple more hours. He's, he's going to be up in three and four hours. So here I'm going to set my alarm for three or four hours. Little, you know, ancient alarm clock. So that when he gets up, I'll meet him before he goes out. And, you know, I don't want him to be alarmed that he lost his ox because that was his only ox. And now he's going to be freaked out. And now he's going to be scared. Now he's going to be really concerned. And I don't want him to, I don't, I don't want that in his heart. Then his wife's going to go crazy and his kids, are gonna, you know, it's a whole a, a, a ripple effect. I don't want that for them. I don't want that for their tent. I want them to be beautiful in their tent. Everybody in peace. Peace. And so I'm going to set my alarm and wake up, you know, 10 minutes before him. Walk out. Maybe brush my teeth because I don't want to be too offensive. And then I'll meet him. He walks out. Boom. Hello, neighbor. Look, I got your ox right here. I, You know, it happened 3 in the morning, 2.30 in the morning. I saw it. I knew it was yours. So... Here you go. You see how beautiful this, this is the law. This is Deuteronomy, the Torah. You see how beautiful this is? It's powerful. And so all of a sudden, look what we see here in verse 2. And if your brother is not near you, or if you do not know him, then you shall bring it to your own house, and it shall remain with you until your brother seeks it. Then you shall restore it to him. You see, that's not the finder's keeper's mentality. Oh, look at this ox, and look, um, the Lord has blessed me. No. Look at how things can escalate. I mean, say a person has the finder's keeper mentality. Finders keepers, oh, look, I'm blessed of the Lord. I found this and now I'm going to sell it on eBay. I'm going to pull a profit from it. Oh, look how blessed of the Lord is. Look, I got this for free and now I'm going to sell it over here. I make this money and oh, look how blessed I am of the Lord. That's not blessing as a Lord. I found this for free. I got this for free. No sacrifice, no cost to me. I got this for free and now I'm going to sell it on eBay and look at this. Look at this, uh, this sucker. 
Look at this sucker over here on eBay. Look at this sucker over here. He's going to buy it online. And look at this. And look at all this money I'm making. And oh, wow. Look at the Lord has blessed me. The Lord has blessed me. No, that's wickedness, my friend. You see? Picture the guy in Danny. 3.30 in the morning. Sees the ox. Little snip snip over here. Cuts over here. Cuts over. Makes the ox look different. Guy in Dan wakes up. Guy in, in, in Judah wakes up. Hey, I'm missing an ox. And you, Dan, all of a sudden, you, my neighbor from Dan, all of a sudden, you just happen to have an extra ox. You see, look at the escalation, how things can escalate. Now look at the hearts. Look at the, the guy in Dan, maybe a jello heart. I would say probably a balsa heart to even do that, to even think it, maybe even a maple heart. Oh, you look, finders keepers, little snip snip over here. Make the ox look different. I can sell it for profit. I'll be blessed of the Lord. Look at these blessings of the Lord. Look, I can sell this. I got this for free. I'm going to sell it over here, make this money. And wow, look how wise I am. That's foolishness. Wisdom according to the world. Foolishness and deadly. Wickedness. All of a sudden, the guy from Judah wakes up. What's up, Dan? What's up, Dan? Where did you get this ox from? You see the escalation? That's my ox. No, it isn't. That's mine. Look, look, it doesn't look like yours. I saw the ox yesterday. Look, you had, you know, the hair was over his eyes. And look, this one, the hair's not over his eyes. Therefore, it's not yours. Baloney. That's my ox because of this. Look, the hoof is like this. And look at the escalation. Look at how things can escalate. Look at the hearts. Now, that's in, according to the flesh. You can see the escalation, but look at the heart. Look at the heart. Like the little barometer, jello to rock. Look at the, the needle. You see the needle at the jello. Uh, you know, probably the guy in Dan, you see no jello. You, you see the needle maybe at maple. And he, gets, he sees 3.30 in the morning, sees the ox. Uh, finders keepers, I know it's not mine, but wow, I really want that ox. Now you know why his heart is maple. You see? Maple wood. Now you know why he's, he's not rock. He's not rock. You figure, okay, he's not rock, so he's good to go. Well, is he really good to go? Because it ain't yellow. And then all of a sudden, the maple, and then he does his deed, you know, a little snip snip over here, snip snip over there. That's my ox. The guy from Judah wakes up. What's up, Dan? What's up, Dan? Where'd you get that ox, Dan? It just so happens I'm missing an ox. Now you see the guy in Judah, maybe his heart was uh, 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 jello. Maybe the needle was at the jello. And then all of a sudden, now that he sees his, he's missing an ox, now you see his heart is still jello, but now it's like, you know, a little shaky because he's nervous. Oh, that was my only ox, or I was going to offer that to the Lord. I was going to sell it. I was going to do this and the, you know, whatever. Now the little needle starts to shake, starts to jitter a little bit. He sees Dan with his, you know, with scissors in his hand with an ox. What's up, Dan? Now you see, like, the needle move a little bit. No longer jello. What's up, Dan? You see the escalation? Now... The guy from Judah is anger. 
You know, and you see the escalation. Look at the heart. I mean, the flesh. You can see the. You can hear the escalation. Just the the the, the, the argument. But look deeper than what the eye can see. And look at the heart. Look at the maple of Dan. And look at the jello of Judah. But now the jello is moving to balsa, to maple, you see? And we want both to be jello, but both ain't jello, you see? When you see the Bible, when you read the Bible, people, and when you look at the heart and you see, okay, this is jello, like Hannah. Hannah's jello, like straight up, that's like beautiful, beautiful jello. Timothy, jello. Eunice, Lois, jello. Priscilla, Aquila, jello. Paul, jello. But before, when he was Saul, rock. You see? With teeth. You see? And when you study the Bible and you see people like that and understand that the Lord can turn a heart from rock to jello, the Lord can do that. But what about the vessels that he uses and the Lord doing it through a person like the kid I told you about? The Lord doing it through a person like you, my friend. You see? This is straight up Deuteronomy. People say, oh, I don't like to study the Old Testament. That's too harsh, too mean-spirited, too vengeful, too much, too much vengeance, too much, too, too much judgment. I don't like it. But when you read from the lens of the New Covenant, you see these beauties that really impact the heart. And so we continue. In um, verse 3, you shall do the same with his donkey. You see, these are valuable animals. I mean, like a poor guy. Maybe he doesn't even have an ox. Maybe he even doesn't have sheep. Maybe he only has turtle doves. And so picture a guy who's poor and all of a sudden sees an ox that could be his. I mean, it's a lost ox. And he's thinking, wow, you know, if I steal that ox... I can sell it and I won't be turtle doves anymore. I can have uh, I can have I can have a little flock of sheep. You see? But yet, what is the heart? Would that be right before the Lord? The answer is no. And the Lord wants to address the heart. But the question is, who has eyes to see, who has ears to hear, and yes, hear the law. Remember Paul? student of Gamaliel, a former Pharisee of Pharisees, tell me you who desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? Do you not hear the law? Isaiah says the same thing. Do you not hear the law? Doing what is right is one thing. It's not necessarily doing what is right. And I know that sounds like, what is he saying? What I'm not supposed to do what is right? And I say that for a reason. Because what is right can easily change in time. As people's ideas and perceptions of what morality is. Look at culture. 
Today, people say, oh, love is love. Therefore, you can marry this Ferris wheel. Love is love. Therefore, you can marry this whatever. Love is love. So, And it's good, right? Look at how what is right, air quotes, has been re-identified, re-reinterpreted in these last days. Look at how it's been changed. Morality has been redefined. And that's why I say it's not necessarily doing what is right because knowing that what is right can easily be changed in the course of time. But it is doing what is right in the eyes of the Lord. You see, a lot of people, oh, do what is right, do what is right, do what is right, do what is right. And I get that. I understand that. It's not a bad thing per se. But understand that what is right changes in time. And rapidly, what is deemed right? Oh, in the name of fairness, we got to do this. In the name of fairness, we got to do that. Then this is right. This is right. But what is it that's right before the Lord? What is it that honors the Lord? Forget the people. You see? I mean, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Oh, we're going to do what is right, the people would say. We're going to do what is right, so therefore we're going to bow down. When the trumpets sound, when the instruments sound, we're going to bow down and worship this image. That's culturally speaking, that's what was right. We're going to do what is right. But right was redefined. What is right before the Lord? You should have no image before me. You should have no idol before me. No idolatry. Worship the Lord only. So culture doing what is right. The instrument sounded and they bowed down before the Lord, before the idol. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Nope, that ain't happening. We bow down before the Lord and the Lord only. You see? Integrity. It speaks to the integrity of a person. Male, female, young, old. It doesn't matter. A poor guy only has got the turtle doves. He does what is right before the Lord. Even considering, wow, you know, I can get this ox. I can get this ox. Look, this guy lost his ox and here it is right next to me. So I can take it, little snip snip here, let me, you know, make it look different. And I can take this ox and look, uh, I'll sell it on eBay. I'll put it on eBay. I'll sell it over here. It cost me nothing, but wow, I can make a lot of money from it. It cost me nothing. Zero sacrifice. You know what that is? Dirty hands. Dirty hands, dirty heart, dirty mind. Wickedness. But the poor guy. Yeah, I can. I can do that. It's within my capacity. It's within my ability to take this ox. Sell it, and yeah, I got the turtle dust. I don't eat very much. I don't eat very well. I only eat this because I'm poor. My family only eats like this because we're poor. And yeah, there's this ox over here. and I know that, you know, 
if you know female you know i know that she has lots of babies she can have lots of babies and you know i can breed her with this and breed her with another and then all of a sudden i can have more ox and things will be really good for me no more turtle doves no more little porridge for me it's straight up you know steaks i can eat my ribeye steaks but that's evil before the lord Therefore, I'm not going to do that. Can you see the heart? Verse 3, you shall do the same with his donkey, so you shall do with his, and so you shall do with his garment. So you shall do with this garment a little closer to the chest, so to speak, a little closer to the heart now. It's not just the ox, it's, you know, not just the, the sheep, it's not just the donkey, now it's the garment. A little closer to the heart little closer to the jello with any lost thing of your brothers which and remember it's not biological brother i mean it could be i mean applicationally it could be a you know biological brother but it's kinsmen somebody from the tribe of dan somebody from the tribe of judah somebody from ephraim from manasseh from what about a former Canaanite who is grafted, who denied the gods of Canaan and is now a Gentile who has been grafted into the camp of Israel, even for this guy too. You see? Can you see, my beautiful brother, my beautiful sister? Can you see how the Lord wants to fix the hearts of men and women, young, old, Old Testament, New Testament, today, right here, right now, can you see? So, with any lost thing in verse 3 of your brothers, which he has lost and you have found, you shall do likewise, you must not hide yourself. You see? Some translations say you must not avoid responsibility. And I get that, I understand that. But it sounds too textbook to me. I, I, I don't like that. You know, I don't like how some translations say, you know, uh, you you must not hide yourself. You know, trans, some translations say you must not avoid responsibility. It just sounds too textbook for me. I like the Hebrew. You must not blind yourself. I like that. Because there's deeper implications. Blindness here is self-inflicted. You shall not blind yourself. Blindness is self-inflicted. So if the poor guy, the poor guy, carnally speaking, he's poor. And if, oh, I got this ox over here. Look, I found this ox. And there's a donkey over here. Look, I found finders, keepers, finders, keepers. Look, I'm going to do this. I'm going to breed over here. I'm not going to be poor anymore. I'm going to breed over here. I'm going to do this. I'm going to put this on eBay. I'm going to sell this over here, sell this over here, and sell this over here. It cost me absolutely nothing. I didn't work for that. I didn't, it's not the sweat of my brow. Look at all this money I'm making from these suckers over here. Look, this guy's in. I got this. I found this ox. And I'm going to sell it for $1,000 on eBay. And look, this sucker is going to pay for it. What a fool. What a dummy. No. To see the fool, this person must look in the mirror. You see? 
Oh, look, I'm poor. According to the flesh, I'm poor. And according to the flesh, I can be rich. But then the poor guy, according to the flesh, says, no, I'm not going to do that because that is wickedness. And it dishonors the Lord, my God. Not the Lord, you know, the God of Moses. The Lord, the God of Israel, even though he is the God of Israel and the God of Moses. And no, the Lord, my God. You see, it's personal. I'm poor and I have this perfect opportunity. There's a, a door that is wide open for me to be rich and I don't have to eat this stupid porridge anymore. I don't have to eat this no more sacrificing of the turtle. Look, I can make the better offering to the Lord. People like to make it sound good. Look, it's for the holiness sake. Look, it's righteous because now I can, I don't have to offer the turtle dove. Now I can offer the sheep. Now I can even offer the ox. Look, it's all sanctioned by the Lord. But that's the flesh. The poor guy says, no, that's not my ox. That's not my donkey. That's not my coat. It belongs to this guy. So I'm going to bring it to my house, let him sleep. It's 2.30 in the morning. I'm going to let him sleep. He wakes up in the morning. I'm going to meet him and say, here, this is yours. He goes home, goes back to his tent. He went to bed poor. He wakes up poor. He's going to go to bed at night and he's still poor according to the flesh. But can you see how rich he is according to the spirit? Can you see how rich he is according to the spirit? Forget the flesh. According to the spirit, can you see how rich he is in honoring the Lord? You see? And says here at the end of verse 3, you, you must not hide yourself. You must not blind yourself is how it translates in the Hebrew. So in the first example, you know, the, the, the poor guy, oh, I can be rich. And he does exactly that. He went to bed at night poor. He wakes up in the morning. He's loaded. Except spiritually speaking, he's poor. He's defunct. No honoring of the... And the Lord sees. He knows. He knows the motives. Carnally speaking, his neighbors would be like, wow, you look, you get to move over here. Look, Boca. Look, Palisades. Look, everything's nice. You know, high on the hog, so to speak. But in the eyes of the Lord, it's wicked. You see, that would be an example of, you know, a heart that has moved from jello, probably not jello, maybe balsa or maple and closer to pine and possibly even rock. And when a heart is rock, when a, when a heart is moving from jello to pine, the Lord will chastise to bring to jello. But when a person is, you know, goes from jello to pine and rejects the chastisement, all of a sudden it becomes a rock. Then you see how the Lord responds to the rocks, either himself or with his vessels. Old Testament, New Testament. Look at, look at Corinth. Remember our study in Corinth? If you're listening for the first time, listen to our study through the Corinthian letters. 
Because you see, a people, you know, in Acts 18, the birth of the Corinthian church, you see, okay, yellow, beautiful, yellow. But in the course of time, who stayed yellow? Chloe and those in her household, beautiful, beautiful Chloe. Gorgeous Chloe, according to the spirit. I don't say that according to the flesh. Gorgeous, precious Chloe. Look at the safety in her home. Look at the jello in her home. But Corinth? Not jello. Moving closer to pine. Some even rock. You see? And then you see how the Lord responds. No fire and brimstone. I mean, the Lord certainly could have done fire and brimstone. But the Lord responded in, you know, in, in judgment using his vessel, Paul. You see? And also using vessel Chloe to notify Paul, the male covering. And so all of a sudden, Paul writes the letter, 1 Corinthians, and says, okay, since we have this mixture, mixture, mixture of pine and maple and oak and birch with the jello, everybody who's jello separate from the pine, everybody who's jello separate from the oak. You see, and this is the pine and the oak where you see the sex, the drugs, the alcohol, you know, the extortion, all these works of the flesh that has been uncorrected. The pa- Whoever the pastor was didn't say, hey, your pine, repent so you can be jello or hey, your oak or hey, your balsa. No chastisement from the overseers, no correction from the overseers in exercising judgment. Yes, judgment. Remember, only the crucified can correct. In order to have biblical judgment, a person needs to take the plank out of his own eye so that he can correct. And I speak of the overseer, serving in the overseer capacity. This is pastors and elders. And since that didn't happen, three years later, arrested development in Corinth, Paul says, okay, jello, here's the pine, here's the oak, separate them, separate from them so that your jello and instead of you becoming like them, moving closer to the pine, all of a sudden, jello, you can stay jello. And, you know, maybe not jello, you're jello, you used to be jello, maybe you're a little balsa. Maybe you're a little balsa where you're soft, but it's not the softest jello. You're a little balsa. Why? You know, remember, do I praise you in this? Nope. Do I praise you in that? Nope. Little chastisement from Paul, little, little tap tap. Little tap tap from Paul to the remnant. So that the former jello who is becoming balsa and was threatened because of the, because of the leaven in the fellowship, because of the leaven that was uncorrected. Pine's ability to, the, the oaks and the pine's ability to influence. Paul says we can't be balsa. The pine, the oak, they're on the outside now. Now your balsa, little tap tap, little tap tap here, little tap tap there. And then we want you to be jello. We gotta get you to be jello. Tap tap, tap tap, tap tap. Okay, now we're jello. Now let's speak about spiritual warfare. Now this former oak, this former pine, he or she doesn't like being on the outside and they've repented. Now, now that you're soft jello, now 
take this oak who has repented, bring him back into the camp. And now you're jello. And now you can be the influencer. And now this former oak can be jello again. But among that, that leaven who was formerly oak, now, since they've been, you know, since you've separated from them, instead of oak, and instead of them being jello again, they move to pine, and some of them have become rock again. You see? It's so simple. So simple. Old Testament, New Testament, that's what you see. Look for the jello, look for the rock, look for the pine, and you can see. And the whole objective, remember, to be right with the Lord, remember in our study in Leviticus, the whole objective is for people to be right with the Lord. Now, rightness with the Lord, jello. And the Lord is addressing these things for this next generation, which needs to know these things. In verse 4, you shall not you shall not see your brother's donkey or his ox fall down along the road and hide yourself from them. You shall surely help lift them up again, you see, or rise up again. Look at the many choices a person has. So the guy from Dan is walking on the path, sees the guy from Judah, and all of a sudden the ox falls down. Who's going to lift up an ox by himself? It's not to say, well, you know, stinks to be this guy. I'm just going to continue along my way. Look at the choices that this guy has. No, I'm going to stop and I'm going to go to this guy who needs help. And together, we're going to lift up the ox. You see? God reveals what pleases him. And this is what pleases him. Not to go along your merry way. Help. You see? The brother needs help. Donkey, ox is fallen. You shall surely help lift them up again. It's so simple, so basic. There's not like a huge, you know, dissertation about this. Moses said, look, you see your brother, if the donkey, ox fall down, he needs help. And he's, oh, I'm going to go along my merry way. No big deal. All stinks to be him. And the Lord, you shall surely help them. Lift them up again. So simple. And what's so powerful about passages like this, which address the heart, because now, I mean, these are so basic and so beautiful, but then at the same time, now a person needs to apply it in his or her life. And that's a, that's a different ball game. You see? And wisdom must be applied too. A lot of wisdom must be applied. Biblical wisdom. And so we see this in verse 5. A woman shall not wear anything that pertains to a man, nor shall a man put on a woman's garment. For all who do so are an abomination to the Lord your God. Now, this verse is considered a hate speech today. I mean, in certain areas, you know, a, a pastor could be arrested for teaching this. A teacher could be arrested for teaching this. In Western, Western cultures, because this is considered a hate speech today. But yet the word of God. Remember? Nebuchadnezzar? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? 
Oh, culturally what is right is just fall down and bow down and worship this image. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that ain't happening. I worship the Lord. You see? This is, verse 5, is hate speech today. You want to take my head for saying that? I don't want it. Verse 6. If a bird's, translates as a sparrow. Very interesting. <laughs> if a bird's nest happens to be, be before you along the way, in any tree or on the ground, with young ones or eggs, with the mother sitting on the young or on the eggs, you shall not take the mother with the young. You shall surely let the mother go and take the young for yourself. Remember, this, the young or the eggs. Take it for yourself. So look what we see here. The, the, the young or the eggs you can take. But mama, leave her alone. Mama bird, leave her alone. And this blows me away. The end of verse 7. That it may be well with you and that you may prolong your days. What? You know, that language... That it may be well with you and that you may prolong your days. This language is hardcore. Because, and I don't mean to sound like legalistic or legalist or, or like, you know, legalese to say this language. But this language is very deep because the Lord says like, you know, that it may be well with you and you may prolong your days. The Lord says this phraseology pertaining to a person honoring the Lord, that it may be well with you and that you may prolong your days. These are very specific to certain laws, which are very big laws. And so you read this and you're like, wait a second. He says that it may be well with you and that you may prolong your days. Days, And we're just talking about a bird? What? We're just talking about a little measly bird. But it is, is it a measly bird? Carnally speaking, eh, it's just a bird, no big deal. But in the eyes of the Lord, a big deal. Turn with me really quick to Matthew 6. Matthew 6. And in Matthew 6, we see this. <clears throat> Matthew 6, verse 25, red letters, the words of our Lord. Therefore, the fulfillment of the law. Who Moses wrote about? His words right here. I mean, the word became flesh. In verse 25, Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? <laughs> All of a sudden. I mean, referencing Deuteronomy, our study in Deuteronomy 22 verse 7 that it may be well with you and that you may prolong your days. And you're like, wait a second. We're just talking about birds here. That it may be well with you and you may prolong your days. Like, I understand it when that's applied to the Lord. I understand when that's applied to like, you know, uh, the high priest. I understand when it's applied to, you know, uh, I, I don't know, uh, 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 a king to, to David. 
But we're talking about a bird. A bird. That it may be well with you and that you may prolong your days. And then you see in the fulfillment of the law, Jesus Christ, and in speaking and in teaching, he's the one who says in Matthew 6, verse 26, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow. They don't reap. They don't gather into barns. And knowing that, your heavenly Father feeds them. He takes care of them. And then all of a sudden, he poses this question. Are you? Are you not of more value than they? And then all of a sudden, it's like, wait a second. Deuteronomy 22, we're talking about birds. And then you see the fulfillment of the law speaking about birds. And how you and me are not of more value. Christians. Now you say, wait a second, I'm not a Christian. I, I, I didn't hear what you said earlier. I'm not a Christian. I didn't hit pause. I didn't repent. I didn't accept Jesus Christ. Does that mean that I'm not of more value? And I'll answer you by saying this. Jump ship. Jump ship. The boat you're on isn't safe. If you are outside of Christ, you are outside of Christ. That sounds like it's a no-brainer. If you're outside of Christ, you're outside of Christ. But it is dangerous to be outside of Christ. It is deadly to be outside of Christ in this life and in the life to come. It is deadly to be outside of Christ. Your Father in heaven loves you. You see? Again, turn to Matthew chapter 10. And in Matthew 10, verse 29, we see this. Are not two sparrows? Very interesting. Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin? And not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore. You are of more value than many sparrows. And remember, Deuteronomy 22, the Lord says in verse 7 that it may be well with you and you may prolong your days. And we're just talking about birds. Carnally speaking, it's like, what are you? It's just birds. What are we talking about? It's just birds. Spiritually speaking, prepping the way for the fulfillment of the law, Jesus Christ, whom Moses wrote of, the writer of the Torah. I mean, it's the Lord. Using vessel Moses. But the writer of the Torah. Do not fear in verse 31, Matthew 11 or Matthew 10. You are of more value than many sparrows. You see? It's powerful. The promises of our Lord. The fulfillment of the law speaks such how our Father in heaven cares for us. 
And I don't mean cares for us like, you know, he cares. I mean, he does, but I mean, he cares for us like he's very involved. Look at our hearts are beating. Our lungs are working. We have eyes to see and ears to hear creation, but spiritually speaking, eyes to see and ears to hear the beauty and magnificence and glory of our Lord. And that's what I love so much about studying the Old Testament as New Covenant believers because it's like, oh my goodness. This is the Torah. A lot of people, a lot of Christians, I don't like the Old Testament. I don't like the Torah. I don't like the five books of Moses. Too much judgment. I don't like it. What? Look at what we look When you have eyes to see and ears to Look at these very beautiful passages. And so we continue. Deuteronomy 22. Now, something I have to say too for my brethren according to the flesh. And I speak of veterans. Damaged by war. You see passages like this in Deuteronomy 22. Now, Israel, they have warriors. There is a warrior class in the camp. And I speak to my brothers and sisters, according to the flesh, veterans and active duty military. Calloused. Calloused from... War. And you read passages like this. A bird? What? Yeah, I can take the eggs and, you know, have a little omelet. But leave mama bird alone. Why? It's just a bird. It's just a bird. Some of my brothers, according to the flesh, and sisters, according to the flesh, so callous from war. And I want to say rightfully so, but it's understandably so. That's war. That's the effect of war. The battlefield has never gone away. You might be in country. You might be in Conus. Battlefield is right there. You've never left the battlefield because it's the scars of war. Even Israel had its warrior class. And then you see passages like this to care for a little bird. Carnally speaking, it's like, I don't get it. But spiritually speaking, look at what the Lord can do. The, the impact of war. A calloused heart. And not that it's, it's not to say, oh, your heart is callous, shame on you. It's, yeah, the heart is callous, but that's a result of war, a result of things that you've experienced, things that you've seen, things that you've done, things that, it, it, it's just, it's there. The Bible even says there's a time for peace and a time for war. But there is coming a time when war will no longer be learned. There is coming a time. And for 
the warrior class, my brothers according to the flesh, and sisters according to the flesh. These are beautiful passages. To have this tender care for a measly little bird. And with spiritual eyes, you start to realize this ain't a measly thing. And look at the healing that can happen in obedience to the Lord. Look at the healing that can happen to the warrior class of Israel. And the healing that does happen to the warrior class of Israel. And the healing that can happen to the warrior class today. And I speak to you, veteran. Male, female, I don't care. And I, I'm American. I teach from America. But I, this is extended to all warrior class. It extends to all warrior class. I don't care what country you're from. I don't speak to you as an American. I speak to you as a citizen of Zion. Paradise. Remember, we want your heart to be jello. Not pine. People who have, men and women who have suffered from the ravages of war. Men and women who want to blow their brains out. Because they don't fit in this world. You cannot fit in this world. You cannot get a job because... You're scarred from war. When you walk with Christ, you won't fit in this world. You Absolutely. I tell you from experience. When you're the warrior class, according to the flesh, you won't fit in this world. When you're the warrior class, according to the spirit, when you walk with Christ, you will not fit in this world. And it's only evidence of a different citizenship. See? Look at how in the law, how hearts, any male, female, young, old, warrior, non-warrior, it, it doesn't matter, desk job. Look at how hearts are jello or can stay jello. But in order for hearts to say to, to be jello or stay jello, eyes are required, ears are required. You see? And so we continue in verse 8. When you build a new house, then you shall make a parapet for your roof, which is like a protective wall. Just think of like a rail. You know, it's not a rail, it's a wall, but it's like a half wall. It's like a rail. That you may not br- that you may not bring guilt of bloodshed on your household if anyone falls from this if anyone fall- falls from it. I love this so much because people today, oh, I I trust in God and He will protect me. I don't lock my doors at night because I trust God and He will protect me. I don't do this, so you know God will protect me. So you know I you know I, 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 I'll, I'll I'll go over here, I'll go over there, I'll do all these things, and I trust. Yeah, I, I don't lock my doors, and God will protect me. Remember when Satan tempted Jesus? Go to the pinnacle here and jump down and it is written that the angels will bring you down. He quoted the Bible. 
And the Lord says, it is also written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. I love this. Because if there's no parapet, no protective wall, death is your fault. You see, no guilt. No guilt. And it is written, build a parapet, a protective wall, that it may not bring guilt of bloodshed on your household if anyone falls from it. See, no parapet. Somebody, you know, kids go on the roof. They start playing. It's a, it's a hot day. You know, kids sleep up, sleep on the roof because it's a hot day in the desert. And you say, wait a second. I thought there were tents. There were tents, but they're going into the promised land. They're going into an area where, you know, they're you know, all of a sudden they're going to uh, be in, in these certain areas where they do have structures. They do have houses. Now, remember, it's not because Israel is awesome per se. It's because of the wickedness. Remember our study in earlier chapters? It's not because, you know, you're awesome, you're hard-hearted. It's because of them. It's because of their wickedness. So it's a hot day. It's like 105 degrees. You go to bed at night and it's 95 degrees. No cool, no wind, no nothing. It's, It's hot. The kids go on the roof. They sleep on the roof. No parapet. You wake up, kids ain't on the roof anymore. You see, you wake up, go check on the kids, kids aren't on the roof. You look down, oh, there are the kids, and they're sleeping for sure. And it is written, build a parapet. So simple, build a parapet, build a wall. It's a hot day, kids go on the roof, they sleep on the roof, they roll over, and they're going to hit the parapet, and they're going to be safe. No parapet, they're going to roll over, say goodnight. That you, in verse 8, that you may not bring guilt of bloodshed on your household. You see, self-inflicted. Hearts, we got to keep the hearts jello. Oh, I trust God. He will protect me, so I'm not going to build a parapet. Okay. It is also written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God, but okay. If that's how you want to operate, okay. But it is written, you see. Oh, I don't lock my doors at night because the Lord will protect me. Okay. We have to be wise. We have to be wise. Verse 8, when or verse 9, uh, um, this is, in verse 9, you shall not sow your vineyard with different kinds of seed. Very important for if there's anybody listening who is interfaith, if there's anybody listening who is Lutheran or Episcopal or, uh, you know, of the, the liberal sect of Christianity, lowercase c, the liberal sect of Christianity, interfaithism, you need to jump ship. Come out of her, my people. And I say lowercase Christianity because that ain't biblical Christianity. You should not sow your vineyard with different kinds of seed, lest the yield of the seed which you have sown and the fruit of your vineyard be defiled. No, very specific seed without mixture. No mixture. 
Verse 10. You shall not plow with you shall not plow with an ox and a donkey together. Again, no mixture. Verse 11, you shall not wear a garment of different sorts, such as wool and linen mixed together. Again, no mixture. The Lord doesn't like mixtures. The Lord does not like mixture. When you see mixtures in the Bible, sometimes there are mixtures which are permissible, okay, in some cases, even blessed. But 80, 88, maybe 88 to 91% of the time, no mixture. There are certain cases where mixtures are okay, but by and large, no mixture. In verse 12, you shall, you shall make tassels on the four corners of the clothing which you shall cover yourself. Now, these are things that we've studied. Now, you, you read verse 12 and you're like, what is tassels? What's that all about? Now, remember our study from Numbers 15. If you turn to Numbers 15 really quick. And in Numbers 15, verse 37, we see this. Again, the Lord spoke to Moses saying in verse 38, this is Numbers 15, speak to the children of Israel. Tell them to make tassels on the corners of their garments throughout their generations and to put a blue thread in the tassels of the corners and you shall have this tassel that you may look upon it and remember, 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 remember all the commandments of the Lord and do them. And that you may not follow the harlotry to which your own heart and your own eyes are in, your own heart and your own eyes are inclined, and that you may remember and do all my commandments and be holy for your God. You see, now you read passages like this in Numbers fifteen, and you see Moses now in Deuteronomy twenty two exhorting the next generation of righteousness. He says, "Hey, look in in, in verse four, do the tassels." Make the tassels on the four corners of clothing with which you cover yourself. And so this next generation, they're going to enter the promised land. I mean, have you ever made a decision? Have you ever been like, you know, a major decision, even like a, a non-major decision? And you just look down, maybe put cup your cup your chin in your palm and you're just kind of like thinking and mulling things over. Picture that for a moment. You're, you have a, 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 a proposition for whatever it is. Somebody approaches you and says, Hey, look, I got an idea for you. Let's do this or let's go over here. Or, let's do that. And this, 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 whatever it is. And you're in the valley of decision. And you cup your chin in the palm of your hand. And you squint to consider and think. And you look down and you're wearing a robe and you look down and you see tassels and then you remember oh I remember I remember what Moses said that old guy Moses I remember what he said and how beautiful it was and I remember when he was younger and he gave us this message from the Lord about the tassels and here I'm looking at these tassels on my garment and I remember when Moses, when he was in his younger day, how the Lord spoke to him. And he says that you shall have the tassel that you may look upon it and remember all the commandments of the Lord and do them. And that you may not follow the harlotry to which your own heart and your own eyes are inclined. And that you may remember and do all my commandments and be holy for your God. And your, your, your chin is in your palm. 
You're squinting. You look down at the tassel on your robe. And then all of a sudden, you remember the Lord. Now, this proposition, this choice that you have to make, now it's being filtered by your love and fear of the Lord in accordance to His Word. And you say, okay, I can enter this area. Okay, I can go over here because it honors the Lord. Or depending on what the proposition was, depending on what the choice you had to make, it's like, nope, because I have to honor the Lord. So nope, I'm not going to go here. Nope, I'm not going to do that. Nope, because that would dishonor the Lord. Do you see how it's not just like religion says, okay, here, look, put the tassels on. That's what religion says, put the tassels on. You got the tassels. It's like, okay, you know, I got to put the tassels on because that's what the law says. That's what the, that's what the Torah says. That's what Moses says. I got to wear the, I got to wear the tassels. You're in the valley of decision. You look down. Your chin is in your palm. You look down. You're like, okay, those are nice tassels. Sure. I'll go do this. But to look at the tassels and remember the Lord. As religion says here, put the tassels. But that's religion. Religion can't save. Traditions of men can't save. The Lord can. And a deeper love relationship with Him. You'll have this understanding to look at the tassels and you grow deeper and deeper in your love relationship with Him, in your intimacy with Him. You look at the tassels. I don't want to dishonor my Lord. I don't want to dishonor my God. So, no. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do this, but I will do this because it honors the Lord. See? It's so simple. I mean, it's it's so simple. We complicate things. We complicate things. Sometimes it's our flesh. Sometimes it's a result of our flesh. Sometimes it's an attack. We complicate things. But it's so simple. And so we see here in verse 13, if any man takes a wife and goes into her and detests her and charges her with shameful conduct. Now, this is a false accusation because it's like, you know, she's not a virgin. That's the charge. She's not a virgin. Now, in the law, you know, that's subject to stoning. But the charge here is because he detests her. Oh, I don't like her anymore. We were, we were betrothed and we got, we, we were going to do this. And we were, we had all these plans and we had beautiful conversation, you know, and you know, that we got married and now it's the, we're consummating and I don't like her anymore. So I'm done. Look, I'm going to make up this charge and say, Oh, look, she, I detest her. And so I'm going to charge her with shameful conduct. You know, she wasn't a virgin. So we get to stoner and I can go on with number two, number three, number four. And it doesn't work that way. The man takes a wife and goes into her and detests her and charges her with shameful conduct and brings a bad name on her and says, I took this woman and when I came to her, I found she was not a virgin. It's an accusation, but it's only an accusation at this point. Then the father and mother of the young woman notice this covering. The covering could have been the husband, but defunct. It's a bad covering. Now you see this covering, parental covering. And the father and mother of the young woman shall take and bring out the evidence of the young woman's virginity. Now, I don't mean to get graphic in saying this, but this is what happened. What they did was they it was a, a, a sheet that had blood stains. 
And it was by the, the breaking of the hymen. And so that's, that's what was used to, to prove evidence of virginity. That's what, that's what they did. And so we see this evidence of the young woman's virginity and the parents. He says that shall take and bring out the evidence of the young woman's virginity to to the elders of the city at the gate. Now, remember, these elders are supposed to be God-fearing men. That's what these elders are supposed to be. They're supposed to be God-fearing men. Remember, we, uh, um, we, 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 we studied that in, um, in verse or in chapter 16, Deuteronomy 16, at these, these elders and judges and officers, you know, not perversion of justice, nor bribe taking, nobody who twists the words of the righteous. This is from, uh, uh, Deuteronomy 16, verse 18 and 19. You know, everything's on point. These are people who fear the Lord. That's what the elders are supposed to be. That's what the judges and officers are supposed to be. God-fearing men. And so all of a sudden, the parents go to these people, God-fearing men. See, the formula has to be right. In order for this to be practiced in a manner that is pleasing the Lord, the formula has to be right in the parents. The formula has to be right in the daughter. The formula has to be right in the husband-to-be. The formula has to be right in the, 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 the elders. You see? And so far in what we're reading, the formula is wrong with husband-to-be. It says a lot about his parents, his upbringing, but, you know, we'll save that for another day. There's a lot, a lot of room for correction in this particular fellow. And all of a sudden, the covering of the daughter, the parents go to the the elders at the gate, which should be God-fearing men, are in accordance to the law, must be God-fearing men. And I say that the formula must be right because we're going to see In our studies in the Old Testament, we're going to see instances where there's no fear of the Lord in the elders. There's no fear of the Lord in the priests. There's no fear of the Lord even in the high priest. There's no fear of the Lord in the parents. There's no fear of the Lord in the husband, in the wife. We're going to see it. But according to the Torah, part of the formula is the fear of the Lord. I should say part, a big part, is fear of the Lord, which is... The beginning of wisdom. You see? So the parents, they go to the elders in verse 16. The covering and the young woman's father, the male covering, the young woman's father shall say to the elders, I gave my daughter this man as a wife and he detests her. Now he has charged her with shameful conduct saying, I found your daughter was not a virgin. That's the claim of the so-called husband. I mean, he, he desires to be husband, but all of a sudden he detests her, knowing that the penalty of this accusation is death. She would be stoned. Some covering. Oh, you know, we dated and all these things and she wore makeup when we were dating and I thought this and now it's time for consummation and I don't like her anymore, so... Next, I'm going to go on to number two. Very selfish. 
I'm going to go on to number two and I'll do the same with her if I don't like her. So I'll do number three, number four, number five. Look, it is written in the law. I can do this. Here's my little loophole. You see? And so the dad, the male covering. And yet these are the evidences of my daughter's virginity and present, presents the sheet. And they shall spread the cloth before the elders of the city. This is proof that is being presented. This is when God is feared. When God is feared. You see, there's safety behind these practices in accordance to the law. We speak, we study as new covenant believers. But in accordance to the law, when God is feared, everything just works beautifully. But when God is not feared, a whole host of mess, a whole host of straight up mess ensues. Old Testament and New Testament and today a whole host of straight up mess ensues when God is not feared and when God is not loved. But I have to say something about this. These are practices in place according to the flesh. Observe Israel according to the flesh. It just so happens that we very recently celebrated a virgin birth. Mary, birth unto Christ. The birth of Christ. And everybody references a virgin birth, a virgin birth, a virgin birth. Which is, it's beautiful. I mean, it's to honor the Lord, the birth of our Lord and Savior. According to the flesh. But when we see the word virginity in the Hebrew, virginity in the Hebrew, you know what it is? Bethulim. Where we get the word Bethlehem. And many speak of the virgin female. But nobody speaks of the virgin city. In fulfillment of the prophecies. Nobody speaks of the virgin city. Bethulim. I know some rabbis who listen to these studies. Especially in the Old Testament. And if that is you, rabbi. If that is you. We could go into deeper studies. But I'll say this. Michayahu. Hear the law. And so we see this in continuing in verse 18. What happens when the false charge, the covering. There was a male covering which was found wanting. And now the male covering which is the dad says, look, it's fake. Elders, it's fake. In verse 18, then the elders of that city shall take that man and punish him. 
And they shall find him 100 shekels of silver and give them to the father of the young woman because he has brought a bad name on the virgin of Israel, on a virgin of Israel. And she shall be his wife. He cannot divorce her all his days. And I have to admit, I'm kind of bummed out at these passages. I say that in all due respect to the Lord, the female would have been stoned. And this guy, all of a sudden, he he pays a fine? And I'm not saying, like, I want to kill the guy. I mean, you know, carnally speaking, you know, it's like, hey, I, I don't like the guy. But we're going to... There are some aspects in the law. And I say this to my sisters in Christ, whom I love. There are some aspects of the law which appear to favor the male. And according to the flesh, according to the flesh, the flesh, the flesh, the flesh, the flesh, according to the flesh, they do favor the male. But according to the spirit, there's a sadness for the male. Uh, And that is the hard heart. Always remember that. If you're female, one of my beautiful sisters in Christ, whom I love, and you read the Old Testament and you're like, wow, this favors the male, this favors the male. Observe Israel according to the flesh, 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 flesh. Wow, this favors the male. But understand too that these things are additives. The things of the law are added. They are the additives. Listen to our study through Galatians. They are the additives because of sin. Yes, because of sin, but then at the same time to understand that they were added because of the hardness of the heart. Remember when they asked Jesus Christ about divorce? And he says it was added. Why? Because of hard hearts. Uncircumcision among the circumcised. Uncircumcision of the spirit among those who are circumcised according to the flesh. You must understand flesh, spirit, Flesh, spirit, and I say this to my beautiful sisters in Christ. Because in the law, Old Testament, there are passages which do favor the male. And it's not to look at it in a in a feminist mindset and be like, oh, how dare they, how dare they, how dare they. It's to look at it in the mindset of the spirit, in, in the spirit, not just in the mindset, of it, but in the spirit. And understand that it's because of the hardness of the heart. Their hearts are pine. We want it to be jello, but the hearts are pine. And look at the loopholes that males, that the men take. I'm doing my air quotes. Look at the loopholes. First of all, this guy, he just says, okay, you know, so, you know, we dated, we did all this thing. She wore the makeup and this and everything was fine. But then when it was consummation time, I don't like her anymore. So I'm done. So I'm going to make up this fake charge and yeah, she's going to die, but I can get wife number two. You see? And if I don't like her, I do the same thing. And wife number three. And when the elders are God-fearing men, all of a sudden, the male covering, the dad comes on the scene and says, nope, this is a false accusation. He raised his daughter. He loves his daughter. He raised her right. She's God-fearing, God-loving. She's And she wouldn't, you know, 
you know, make up a lie and say, hey, dad, look, I'm not a virgin. Or, you know, I was a virgin. I was a virgin. You know, everything's on point. Now you see this godly covering, the, the dad who goes to the elders and the elders who are also the, 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 the girl is God-fearing, the dad is God-fearing, God and then all of a sudden the elders are God-fearing and they say, wait a second, there's a disconnect. Bring that guy over here. Who is this guy? You're guilty. You see, you're guilty. And now he has to pay a fine. And now he has to stay married to her. Now he cannot ever divorce her. He cannot divorce her for all his days. It's not say, okay, I'll divorce her in five years. Nope, it's done. Now, you start to see in the hardness of the heart of the men, in the hardness of the heart. Remember, these things were added because of the hardness of the heart. Because of, you know, these things were added because of sin. Our study in Galatia. These things were added because of hard hearts in Galatians. These things were added because of hard hearts. What Jesus says, of, especially when it comes to sexual things. So husband says, okay, I can't divorce her, but I'll get wife number two anyways. Multiple wives. He attempts to do the same thing with wife number two. Okay, I think I'm done with wives now, so I think I'll get a concubine now. Concubine number one, concubine number two, sexual slaves. And to my beautiful sisters in Christ whom I love. I don't like it. I, straight up, I don't like No disrespect to the Lord. But I don't like it. But remember the promise. The law was added because of sin. The hardness of heart. How many wives did Adam have? You see? How many wives did Noah have? You see? But then the law comes and then all of a sudden you see like, wow, number one, two, concubine, number one, two, three, four. It's like, oh my goodness. And for my beautiful sisters, it's like a bummer. It's like, I... I I don't, me personally, I don't like it. But the law is the additive to the promise. You see? Until the seed. Remember our study in Galatians? The law is the additive until the seed, and the seed is here. It's powerful. Now you see these Hebrew roots, so-called pastors, Hebrew roots, so-called teachers. They're dangerous. If you're in the Hebrew roots movement, jump ship, hit the eject button. Jump ship straight up. Because if you're abiding in the law, you are outside of Christ. And you don't hear the law. Listen to our study through Galatians. But to abide in the law's fulfillment is to abide in Christ and to abide in the promises. All of a sudden, the promises are effectuated in you, which now enters, opens the door. Not should say opens the door, which lead, which is heirs of Abraham, according to not the law, according to promise. You see. Now we see here in verse 20, but if the thing is true, so in the same scenario, the, uh, the, uh, 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 a guy detests the lady, you know, that the consummation, the guy detests her, and it's in fact that, hey, she ain't a virgin. 
But if the thing is true and evidences of virginity are not found in the young woman, then they shall bring out the young woman, young woman to the door of her, her father's house, and the men of her city shall stone her to death with stones, because she has done a disgraceful thing in Israel. You see? Remember, in the law is death. The wages of sin is death according to the law. Does that mean that today we can stone? No. You know why? Because there is only one who is qualified to cast any stone. His name is Jesus Christ, and he doesn't cast stones. Yet, he will judge. And if anyone's name is not found written in the book of life, they will burn in hell straight up. He will judge. But this door of grace is open. And this disgraceful thing that she has done in verse 21, to play the harlot in her father's house so you shall put away the evil from among you. This is hardcore when you think about Mary and Joseph, not to suggest any nefarious activity with Mary and Joseph, just the opposite. This is so... Not to suggest that they have a balancing act, like it's very, like a major balancing act that they have to walk because of what the law states. I mean, like, betrothed to be married and then all of a sudden she's pregnant? This has, I mean, like, there's major penalties for that. In accordance to the law, there's major penalties for that. Got a major situation on our hands here. Mary's pregnant. They're not married yet. Joseph's betrothed. We've got a major problem here. Now, in accordance to the flesh, seemingly a major problem. I shouldn't say a major problem, a major situation. The problem would be the potential for her to be stoned. The potential for Joseph to be stoned. But this is according to the flesh. In accordance to the spirit. And also according to the flesh. According to prophecies. Written of the spirit. And according to the flesh. Having an understanding of the prophecies. To know. And to my rabbi friends. To my rabbi listeners. Michayu. To understand that there is only one scenario, one scenario. I'll say this again. There is only one scenario. And this scenario scenario proves the Messiah. One Messiah, two comings. to my rabbi friends, whom I love. In verse 22, if a man is found lying with a woman married to a husband, then both of them shall die, the man that lay with the woman and the woman. So you shall put away the evil from Israel. You see? It's so beautiful when, when God is feared. You see how beautiful things can be? When God is feared, and you're going to see moments in our studies through the Old Testament where God is feared. 
You're going to see moments where the formula is right in priests, in king, in people. You're going to see it. And it's so beautiful. It's so lovely. There's peace. There's prosperity. But when the formula is wrong, the Shekinah glory is defiled. In the temple, yes. In the tabernacle, yes. But in people, yes. And when the formula is wrong, you're going to see losses. You're going to see defeat of the warriors. You're going to see losing of battles. In some cases, major defeat. In some cases, major judgment. Assyrians, Babylonians, Rome. You're going to see it. But then at the same time, to understand that when the formula is right, when the formula, you're going to see very brief moments in time where the formula is right in king, in priests, in people, and it's so beautiful. But the majority of time, you're going to see when the formula is right in individuals. Male, female, young, old, it doesn't matter, but you'll see it. And you see it today when the formula is right. Not according to the law, in accordance to the fulfillment of the law. And that is a person, male, female, young, old, who is abiding in Christ. And so we see in verse 23, if a young woman who is a virgin is betrothed to a husband, so she's engaged, and a man finds her, uh, a man uh, 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 finds her in the city and he lies with her. It translates as a man finds her or or acquires her. This most of the time this pertains to situations of rape. That is the most common scenario that we see in the Old Testament. Most commonly applies to rape. And a man finds her or acquires her in the city and lies with her. Then you shall bring them both out to the gate of that city and you shall stone them to, you shall stone them to death with stones. The young woman, because she did not cry out in the city and the man, because he humbled or defiled his neighbor's wife. So you shall put away the evil from among you. Now we read this and it's like, wait a second, but the, the woman that, you know, she, she she's the victim here and she has to die too well it is because she did not cry out in the city now when god is feared when god is feared in a city and all of a sudden a, a rape like the, the 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 a rape is about to happen straight up like a rape is about to happen and she cries out for help god fearing men are going to come and they're going to handle business with the guy. That's that's what when the formula is right. But then look what happens here. In, in verse, remember, this is the law where the wages of sin is death. The, the, if, if the woman, it says here, the young woman, because she did not cry out in the city. So she cries out, God-fearing men come and they handle business with the guy. Rape doesn't happen. Rape is about to happen. But now it doesn't happen because she cried out. You see, alerting the God-fearing men to handle business. Now, all of a sudden, in verse 25, but if a man finds his betrothed young woman in the countryside and the man forces her and lies with her, or, or if a man finds a betrothed young woman in the countryside and the man 
forces her, and lies with her, then only the man who lay with her shall die. But you shall do nothing to the young woman. There is in the young woman no sin deserving of death. For just as when a man rises against his neighbor and kills him, even so is this matter. For he found her in the countryside, and the betrothed young woman cried out, but there was no one to save her. You see? So in verse 24, the young woman, because she did not cry out in the city, but in the country, she cries out, but there was no one to hear her. So it's like you read this and it's like, wait a second, how come here the woman dies? How come like the woman's the victim except she's stoned? So I don't get that. Well, understand the woman didn't cry out, which I don't, I don't want to. I'm just going to say it. Sexual activity before marriage today is a major problem. But it was also a major problem back then. You see, some, you know, remember nothing new under the sun. Sexual activity before marriage is a major problem today, even in the church. The world is the world. Corinth is Corinth. But sexual activity before marriage, big problem. Today, then, big problem. And so there's laws in place where, you know, sometimes, you know, People would meet in secret. Male, female would meet in secret and, you know, do their deed. Not married. Do their deed and, you know, okay, no big deal. Nobody saw anything. Okay. But the Lord sees. You see? And not to, not, not to gloss over, you know, a victim. But, you know, when a woman cries out, God-fearing men will come out and, you know, they're going to take care of the guy. No rape. No rape. And so... To my sisters in Christ, like me personally, like if sometimes I wish I could just speak to like certain segments of of our, our, our church, church culture, church society. Sometimes I wish I could just gather all the women, young and old. Sometimes I wish I can gather just old people. Sometimes I wish I can gather just old women and old men. Sometimes I wish I can speak to just women, like in our study in, in Galatians or in Ephesians to women. I wish I could just... Stand at a pulpit and have every single woman of the faith and teach. And then, you know, I go to another area and speak to only the men, young, old. And then sometimes I wish I can just go to kids and speak to just the kids. To my sisters. Like these passages, I just, they just rub me the wrong way. It's just like, I wish we didn't, I wish we didn't have to have this. But even still in having these passages, remember the law was added because of sin. You don't see these things in Eden. You don't see these things in Noah and his family. You know, you don't see them because that's according to promise. But yet, when these situations arise, especially when it comes to sexual things, there are laws in place. 
laws in place. And I don't, you know, I'm not speaking from a position of, oh, wait, let's, let's perform these laws. Let's stone this person, stone that person. No, I raise my hand and say, I should be stoned because the wages of sin is death and I've done plenty of sin. This is why I love Jesus Christ so much. Because he paid the price. He took the penalty. This is why I love him so much. This is why if you're listening, you're not a believer and you still haven't heeded. I mean, we're, we're like, you know, we're deep in our study and you still haven't heeded my call for you to repent. I've had these conversations with non-believers. Oh, you Christians, you're so crazy. Oh, you know, you, 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 Jesus freak. You love Jesus so much. That's why I should be dead. Because of him, I live. That's why I'm in love with him. You see? And if you continue without Jesus Christ, no covering, and the wages of sin is death. I don't like saying this, but if you die without Christ, you will burn in hell. And I don't want that for you. But I can't force you to love Christ. You have a choice to make. People say all the time, oh, don't, don't fear people. Don't, don't bring people to Christ out of fear. Work wonders for me. Straight up. Here we are. I'm the, there's something about hell that is just kind of scary, you know? Something about weeping and gnashing of teeth that, you know, I don't like that. That's scary. I don't want that for you. And you know what? God doesn't want it for you. Hell was for Satan. Hell wasn't for people. Hell was for Satan, the fallen angels. And they know that they're going to hell. And on their way, they're grabbing onto people. They want to take people with them. You see? People say, oh, God made, God made hell for people. No. People will go there. It's not. It's because Satan is grabbing onto them. Don't forget, Satan's a fisherman too. We have to be wise. God loves you. If you're listening and you still haven't repented, let today be the day of salvation. Hit pause, listen to the message, how to commit your life to Christ. And so we continue here in verse 28 in closing, if a man finds a young woman who is a virgin who is not betrothed and he seizes her and lies with her and they are found out, then the man who lay with her shall give to the young woman's father 50 shekels of silver and she shall be his wife because he has humbled her or defiled her. He shall not be permitted to divorce her all his days. You see, remember to my sisters in Christ, the hardness of this is Israel according to the flesh. Flesh, 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 flesh. Remember. Hard hearts. Always remember the better marriage unto the better husband. Always. And so we see here in verse 30, in closing. A man shall not take his father's wife, nor uncover his father's bed. Now this, uh, a man shall not take his father's wife, you know, says a lot to Corinth. And, you know, yes, that's according to the, you know, uh, uh, Corinthian, uh, 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 they were saints, they were Christians. But there was a guy who was having sex with his dad's wife in Corinth, in the church.
Think of the defunct pastors and defunct elders of today. You can look at the fruit of the flesh in their lives. But then you look at the fellowships and look at the flesh in their fellowships. Look at the fruit of the flesh. Not of the spirit. The fruit of the flesh. And it's stinky. It's ugly. It's nasty. And if you're in a fellowship where the formula is not right, in the pastor, jump ship. Because when the formula is right, you avoid things like this. They watch out for your souls in obedience to the Lord. Not because, oh, you know, I want to be a pastor, so I'm going to go do this. I want to do good for my community, so I'm going to be a pastor and, you know, habitat for humanity kind of mindset. No, that that's also going to burn in hell. In obedience to Jesus Christ, the head of the church, these men watch out for souls. They care for souls. They are a godly covering unto souls. And if you don't have that, jump ship. Find that. If you can't find that, find a teacher who will teach you and pour into you. This uncovering of a father's bed is to denude a father. It speaks of the nakedness of a father. Which isn't good. Remember? Noah and Noah's family and his kids. We're going to see pastors like this. And it begs the question like, I mean, so much simplicity, but at the same time, when God is not feared, you're going to find problem after problem after problem after problem, mess after mess after mess, and it's just going to get worse and worse and worse and worse. You're going to see it Old Testament. You're going to see it New Testament. You're going to see it today when God is not feared. People today, oh, I love the Lord. I love the Lord. Praise the Lord. That's a good thing. But what about the fear of the Lord? What car is there that doesn't have a brake pedal? What car is there that has a gas pedal only? A car that doesn't have a brake pedal is dangerous. That is a a death machine, a death trap. A car without a brake pedal. But a car that has a gas pedal, you can go forward, you can go, and you have a gas pedal, you can stop. And I like to think of that as the love of the Lord and the fear of the Lord. Oh, I love the Lord, I love the Lord. Okay, gas pedal. Oh, I love the Lord, I love the Lord. Gas pedal. But all of a sudden, here's proposition number one, proposition number two, the filtering with the word of God, hit the brake pedal. Nope, that ain't happening. Gotta hit the brake pedal. You see? You stop. It is safe. People say, oh, I love the Lord, I love the Lord, I love the Lord. Okay, that's gas pedal only. Which is fine. I mean, it's it's beautiful to love the Lord, but it's also dangerous. You're going to be able to go and go forward, but, you know, without a brake pedal, you're in trouble. Love of the Lord, the fear of the Lord, it works together. And you're going to see Old Testament, New Testament, and today, where no fear of the Lord. Because, oh, I'm a Christian. I'm so thankful for the new covenant. I love the Lord. I love the Lord. I love the Lord. Okay, that's good. Don't forget the brake pedal. You got to fear the Lord too. To the beautiful people of the way, a remnant of these last days. God bless you. I love you.